the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever dear. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. The message you are about to hear will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, clothed with the armor of a Gospel Defender. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, in this hour we continue to answer the question, How did Jesus build his church? When Jesus told Apostle Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, it was a prophetic utterance at the time he spoke it. It would be yet in the future after Matthew 16 and after he was put to death on the cross that his church would be built. Because Jesus was a true prophet, his prophecy came to pass. The price necessary to build his church was his own blood, and that price was paid on the cross of Calvary. It was in the city of Jerusalem on the day of Acts 2 Pentecost that she had her beginning when almost 3,000 souls were added to her following their being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. It is in this book of Acts that we see how Jesus built his church in the first century and continues to build her in this 21st century. As we saw in the previous message, the building process included the use of building blocks of people and preachers. The third thing Jesus used in his building program was the preaching of the gospel message. Acts 8 verse 5 through Acts 11 verse 18 is one long parenthetical statement. 
What happened after Acts 8 verse 4 is recorded in Acts 11 verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word. It doesn't require much scholarship to realize that if Jesus used people and the people were preachers, that the preachers were preaching something. But what has been lost in the ridiculous religious world that is influencing the direction of the church that Jesus built is that it was preachers preaching the Word of God that built the church. It almost defies our sense of reason to think that the church, which is a spiritual body, could be built on any kind of preaching other than the preaching of the Word of God. But it is a current church growth concept and practice to minimize that kind of preaching. Some preachers are surrendering their precious preaching time to endless repetitive and, in some cases, unscriptural and juvenile choruses, poetry reading, orchestra performances, dancing, and gospel skits. The church that Jesus built was focused on preaching, and this is no surprise because it is written in Holy Writ that the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone. The message of the cross is the power of God. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Preaching was not popular in Paul's day either, but regardless of its popularity, this is what he did. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, he said, to the Corinthians and to the church in Troas. I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel. The trends of the culture did not dictate to Paul what his ministry on Christ's behalf was. The culture did not change Paul. He was dedicated to changing the culture. It mattered nothing to him if either the Jews or the Greeks thought much of his preaching the gospel. It was the preaching of the word that saved people. It was what Jesus said. In Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, that motivated Paul to do what he did. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. This was and continues to be the commission of the church to save people from their sins and an ultimate eternity in hell. The church has lost her bearings when she is more interested in satisfying lost people than saving lost people. She has lost her sense of purpose when she is focused on filling the auditorium with lost people and sending them back home lost 
by failing to preach the saving gospel message of repentance and obedience. The early church was not interested in getting lost people into her congregational meetings. It was not even the norm to have lost people attend to a confused and divided church in Corinth. Paul wrote, If the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? The obvious insinuation is that it was unusual to have an unbeliever in the assembly of believers. The first century church that Jesus built was not seeker-sensitive. She was soul-saving. A preacher who says he is seeker-sensitive suggests that that preacher must be cautious in what he says. But a preacher who is soul-seeking and soul-saving is compelled to preach the whole counsel of God, including the condemnation of sin, the exhortation to righteousness, and the warning of judgment. The very ministry the Holy Spirit works through the Word. I must hang my hat on this third point for just a bit longer. A very quick perusal of the book of Acts reveals that it was the preaching of the Word that was front and center in the ministries of the preaching apostles and the life of the church. And it contributed to the building of the church. A few days after Jesus commissioned the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel, we see them doing it in the city of Jerusalem. Peter stood up before a crowd of thousands of Christ rejectors and preached the gospel of Christ. He preached the 16th Psalm. He preached the very thing that his crowd did not believe and did not want to hear. Twice he told them they were guilty of crucifying Christ, and four times he spoke of the resurrection of Christ, both doctrines that the crowd did not want to hear. But it was that preaching that led approximately 3,000 people to repent of their sins and to be immersed into Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. And it didn't stop there. Acts 2 verse 47 says that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Christ was building his church daily. And it didn't stop there. After preaching the gospel of Christ in Acts chapter 3, the number of the men came to be about 5,000 in Acts chapter 4. Christ was building his church, and it didn't stop there. Acts 6.1 says that in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, Christ was building his church, and it didn't stop there in Acts chapter 6. In the same chapter, the apostles declared that they were not going to be deacons, but were going to give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Three verses later, it is written, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, 
and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Christ was building his church through the preaching of the word. Preaching the gospel grew the church. The apostles were not pop psychologists, family counselors, drug therapists, or motivational speakers telling their crowds how positive life could be and how much they could fall in love with themselves if they would only buy the apostles' Christian books, CDs, DVDs, and tapes. Their message was not how to be wealthy or how to have better health and improve one's self-esteem by losing weight. Their message was not focused on how to fulfill your destiny. Their message was a demanding message. It was a message of carrying a cross. They told their audiences that they may have to surrender their life on earth if they became followers of Christ. It was not a message of ease. It was a message of endurance unto the end. And the people came to Christ by the thousands. This is a far cry from what we see and hear in modern Christendom. Come to our services and have breakfast with us. Come to our services and we will make you feel better about yourself. Come just as you are. We'll entertain you. Tell us what you want and we'll do it. The church that Jesus built had a different invitation. Come to our services and we will make you holy. We will exalt Christ and his message. We will edify you in the word of God. We will strengthen you with the word and encourage you to separate yourselves from the current crazy whims of the society and culture that are influencing you and your family to go to hell. And ladies and gentlemen, all this was done through the preaching of the word. How did Jesus build his church? He did it with people and preachers who preached the saving gospel message. Fourth, he used power. Before Christ began building his church, he empowered his preachers. It is the good Dr. Luke who tells us twice about this empowerment of Christ's preaching apostles. In both Luke and Acts, Christ is recorded as saying to these men that they would receive power. They would receive supernatural power in the form of a supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. That power was manifested in Acts chapter 2, of course, resulting in the apostles speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But not only there. In Acts 4, after preaching in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, the apostles were arrested and asked by the rogue, irreligious leaders, By what power or by what name have you done this? Peter answered that it had been done by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In that same chapter, Luke notes that with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. 
their ministry was marked with power. Jesus built his church with great power given to the church. Before someone reminds me that this supernatural dispensation of power is not given to anyone today, let me remind you that Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now granted, this was spoken to the apostles, but it is not limited only to the apostles. The church is limited in her power, in her growth, only to the extent to which she limits the power that the head of the church has given the church. Remember, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Those words, by the way, were not spoken to the apostles. They were written in Ephesians 3, verse 20, to the members of the church that Jesus built in that city. We may not have received the supernatural measure of the Holy Spirit, but we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us following our baptism into Christ for the remission of our sins, and with him ministering in these temples that we occupy, we too can do great things that will build the church to his glory and for his honor. We have opportunities that Christ did not have and that the apostles could never fathom. Radio, television, internet... Cassettes, CDs, DVDs, printing presses that produce millions of publications. The church is able to take the gospel to more places and with more speed than ever before. The church has powers that would be unbelievable to those of earlier generations. The question is not, what can we do? The question is... When are we going to do it? Fifth, he used a program. The program that Jesus used to build his church was not a building program. It wasn't a soul-winning program. It wasn't a social program. It was a divine program for his divine church. Had there been church bulletins or church programs at this time, the same one could have been used week after week. It never changed. It is found in one verse, Acts 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. That was it. Apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Week after week after week after week. You mean there were no gospel quartets? No. There were no puppet programs? No. There were no carnivals for the children? No. There were no bowling leagues, softball leagues, self-help sessions, support groups, AA meetings? No, there were none of these. It was just the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. 
and the church grew. It was Christ's church, and he knew how to make his church grow. One time, someone suggested to me that my preaching the same messages from the same book year after year got boring. I told them to take it up with the Lord. He gave me only one book from which to preach. At this point in time, in my life I have heard the gospel message and God's plan of salvation hundreds and thousands of times. It never gets old. By God's grace, I plan on hearing it thousands of more times before I leave this decaying tent in which I live. The great mistake of the church is to believe the church gurus who tell us that the church must be more like the world in order to attract the world to her. But the message of the gospel is to make the world like the church. Save yourselves from this crooked, perverse generation. Peter preached to the lost in Acts 2, verse 40. Let's admit it. The church cannot compete with the world. The world entertains better. She does athletics better. She does drama better. She serves better food in better places. But none of this is the business of the church anyway. If you want to see a movie, go to a theater. If you want to see a good ball game, go to a stadium. If you want to eat a fine steak with all its fixings, go to a steakhouse. But if you want to hear God speak to you, if you want to be right with God, if you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to be encouraged and helped to live a life that is holy, sanctified, and acceptable to God, go to the assembly of the saints where you will hear the doctrine of the apostles. Be around the Lord's table to remember him who died for you, where you can have mutual fellowship with your brethren and either pray or hear prayers prayed. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is a spiritual body needing spiritual food and spiritual encouragement. When Christ built his church, he provided a spiritual program to sustain her. If someone wants something other than spiritual sustenance, he should go where other, someplace other than the church. Her business is to preach the word and to teach the disciples to observe the things set forth in the book that we call the Bible. The world does not want the church, and uh, it may sound harsh, it may sound unloving, it may sound unbiblical, but I'll say it anyway. The church should not be inviting the lost world into her fellowship unless the world comes to be saved. Those who have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever near. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. 
keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast brought to you by the church that Jesus built that preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575, Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, Zip. Four five six zero one. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, agosdef at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with absolutely no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to contact us today. Now until you and I meet again at this same time, And at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.